All right, Matthew chapter 4, we're going to jump in here at verse 12. The goal is to finish the chapter so we can start 5 next time with the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. We got all the way down to verse number 12, so let's start reading at verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephilim, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and, and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and, sprung of, uh, and, and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers disease, divers, many, different, diverse, okay, diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. Now, I don't think we're going to get through all that tonight, but you start in verse number 12, and if we can just kind of catch some of the timing that's going on here, notice in verse 12, we begin a new topic. We, we, we begin a, a new, new thing. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. There, there's some natural uh, breaks that are going to happen all through Matthew. And, and if we can just catch that this evening in the, in the, la the rest of our, our study, then we can get into the details. This is why I wanted a map, <laughs> Zebulon and got all this stuff, so you can get a, a visual of where we're at. But notice here, now when Jesus had heard, so now he's, he's been through the temptation uh, with Satan, now he's come, Satan's left him, the angels have come and ministered to him. There's a lot of time between verse 11 and verse 12 that's not here in Matthew. And again, Matt, the gospel guy, the writers do this because they're after painting a certain picture, a portrait, rather than catching every, just every detail. Now, when Jesus had heard, so come over to chapter 19. Of Matthew, because this starts a new, uh, a new passage, a new, uh, a, a shift here. Uh, there, uh, times changing. There's a sh up until this point, 
Uh, it's, we've just been kind of laying a foundation for the Messiah. Chapter 2, we saw his birth. Chapter 3, the forerunner. Chapter 4, I'm sorry, chapter 3, the forerunner. Chapter 4, the temptation. Now there's going to be an, an interruption in the account of his life and ministry here. And in chapter 19, verse 1, notice the issue here about departing into Galilee. 19.1 And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. In Matthew 4, the temptation's done. Matthew goes immediately into what is called the Galilean ministry. And from chapter 4 to chapter 19 there you see this galilean ministry now there's two very important divisions in the ministry of christ that's here in the book of matthew geographically the lord's ministry there's what people call an early judean ministry where he's down around jerusalem that's the stuff that's happening between verse 11 and verse 12 back in Matthew 4, okay? Then he departs. If you go back to chapter 4, verse 12, he immediately leaves. He's been living in Nazareth, he's been, and he's been down to Jerusalem, so he's been going back and forth between those two cities. Then in 4.12, now he goes to Galilee. He literally moves from Nazareth to Capernaum, verse 13, 4.13. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. So he leaves Nazareth, and now he has a new hometown in Capernaum. And he spends from 4.12 to 19.1 in the Galilean ministry. And uh, it's, that's what's happening. Then in 19, Matthew 19, he leaves Galilee and he goes back to Jerusalem, to, Judea, to Judea. And uh, he, 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 again, I, I'm going to do a crude map, okay? This is the Mediterranean Sea. We'll call it the Med Sea. <clears throat> All right? So in the Mediterranean Sea... You have the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, and the Dead Sea, and Jerusalem sits off just off a little bit like that. He leaves, and Nazareth is, sits up just above it, well, north of it a little bit. They leave, and he goes into Capernaum, which sits up next close to that, uh, up, up around the, the, north, the north of the Galilee Sea. Now, up here, you're going to have Syria. That's where Damascus is. We're going to see that here in a little bit. So you're, if you have a, a map in the back of your Bible, you can see some of this a little clearer. Okay, Galilee is north. Judea is in the south. That is the political divide from the Old Testament. If you remember, when Solomon died, Rehoboam and Jeroboam got together, and uh, they lost their power. He split the tribes, ten to the north, two to the south. 
Well, Assyria comes in and takes the north. I mean, they took them captive, boom, quickly. Okay, all of the believers had left out of the north, Jeroboam, and come down into the south. Then the Babylonians come up, and that's the book of Daniel now, and they take Isaiah, Jeremiah, Dan, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then they take the south. So Christ goes up into Galilee. He goes up from out of Judea. And again, we're early in his ministry when he does it. If you, when we studied the book of John, okay, the first five chapters of the book of John happens between 411 and 412. If, you, if you're trying to think about what was going on. That's that early, that's a picture of his early Judean ministry. Then he moves up north. And the, the point in all that is so that you understand geographically where he's going because of what Isaiah is going to say he's going to go and do now. When he's up there, He's up north of Jerusalem, okay? He's up in this territory. This is Jerusalem down here. He goes north, and when he does that, he's literally taking care of the prophecy of Isaiah. And there's a real doctrinal significance about why he's up north. And uh, if you look over to Isaiah 9... Let's go ahead and run over there. Get that. Hang on to Matthew 4. It's called, he's called the Galilee, in verse 15, Matthew 4, 15, Galilee of the Gentiles. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in Matthew 4, 15. Okay, we're going to go to Isaiah, so hang on to Isaiah. Isaiah 9. But notice in 4.15, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And the reason it's called Galilee of the Gentiles is because the Gentiles have come in and taken over. Samaria up there, the, the northern Jews, I mean, all that up there, those northern ten tribes are gone. The Gentiles now rule them. But the guys down here in Jerusalem... They no longer associate them as a part of Israel, quite honestly. They had cut them off. And yet, where does Christ go? He goes up there to pick up and to do. So he leaves, goes into Galilee, verse 12, departs into Galilee. Matthew 19, 1, when he is finished, now he's going to go back to Judea. When he leaves, he's leaving Nazareth, verse 13, he goes into Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephilim, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying. He goes that way so that he can fulfill prophecy. Now, the prophecy is Isaiah. So run over to Isaiah 9. And... <clears throat> I'm trying to catch this as we go so that we can, so you can see this as we read what's happening here. 
Isaiah um, 9. Go back up at the end of chapter 8 here. Just, uh, well, let's see. Let's go back up to 8.14. Isaiah 8, verse 14. And he shall be for a sanctuary. He's talking about the, the Assyrian, okay? Verse 12, the confederacy that's coming up there. So we're talking really about the Antichrist. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense to both the house of Israel, for a gin, and for a snare of the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. And I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwell in Mount Zion. Now remember, when we were in studying in John, John 13 through 17, here the children give, he, that's the little flock, that's that believing remnant, it's the 12 apostles. What are they there for? They're for signs and for wonders where? In Israel, they're out there doing. Verse 19, And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits and under wizards that peep and mutter, should not a people seek unto their, their God for the living to the dead, to the law and to the testimony? If they speak not according to this word, it, word, it is because they, there is no light in them. Boy, there, there's that unbelieving apostate nation popping up, counterfeiting, countering the word of God delivered by the believing remnant. They shall pass, verse 21, and they shall pass through it heartily, bestead and hungry, and it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward. And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven into darkness. <laughs> He's if you, I don't know if you, you guys with the tablets, I can't do this or not, but Matthew 4, verse 16 the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And why are they sitting in darkness? Because they rejected. So they're sitting up there. It doesn't mean that they're they're not up there. They're just sitting in a spiritual. They need a what? They need a light. Guess who's coming? The true light. Here he comes. And to them, uh, 4.16, and to them which sat in the re region in shadow of death, light is sprung up. Isn't that interesting? Verse, chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulon and the land of uh, Natalia, and effect afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people, I'm in Isaiah 9 verse 2, that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. That's where they're at. Nephilim, that northern territory that's between the Mediterranean and the Sea of Galilee, Mediterranean sits on the west side, so it sits up in here. They're sitting in darkness. 
and here comes the light. But what he's going to do, come back to Matthew 4, he's going to go up there now, and he's going to gather up the leadership of the little flock, that believing remnant. He's going to Galilee, if, if you, back in Matthew 4 now, verse 16. The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and, sh and shadow of death, what happened? Light is sprung up. All of this action, all this activity is critical. He's going into Galilee to gather the governmental structure of his kingdom. The government of his kingdom is going to be that little flock. And the apostate nation is going to be burned up in the wrath to come <laughs> that he's going to pour out on them in the tribulation. And when he goes into Galilee, what he's doing is he is forsaking the apostate system. He is going up in there and to, and to deal with them. He's not going to pull them out of Jerusalem. By the way, of the 12 apostles, only one guy's from Jerusalem. That's Judas Iscariot, and he ends up being the devil, the, 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 uh, the usurper, okay, the betrayer. He goes away from, he's outside the camp now. He's, go, he's up north. Uh, are you in Matthew? Come back over to Matthew 21. Matthew 21, just so you can see this. So I don't, I don't want there to be a loss in, in, in the, what's going on here. Matthew 21, verse 43. He's talking to the nation of Israel as a whole, the leadership. He says, Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation. 21:43, A nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Notice... By the way, most of the birds on TV, the guys on TV, they'll say nations, Gentile. The, 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 okay, then which, na which Gentile nation? Because it says a nation. You see, <laughs> which one? America? The Russians? Turkey? Which one are you going to pick? But it isn't that. It's which one? It's that little flock. It's the one bringing forth the fruits thereof. The, nation, the governmental authority of that kingdom is going to be taken from Israel, the apostate nation, and given to one nation, not out of the Gentiles, but out of that little flock. You don't have to, well, shoot, let's just do it. Luke 12. Uh, actually, are you still in Matthew? Okay, good. Matthew 19. Matthew 19. Matthew 9. In Luke 12, he looks at him and he says, Fear not, little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Luke 22, he says, I appoint unto you a kingdom. Matthew 19, verse 28, Jesus, Peter, asked him the, a great question. Verse 27, then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all. Well, that's the requirement to be his disciple, is to forsake all. And follow thee. What shall we have therefore? 
And as soon as Peter asks that question, everybody says, you little selfish so-and-so, don't you know how great it is to be around the Messiah? But that is not a selfish question. That is a question of someone who understands the program and what's going on. So the Lord answers him. Verily, verse 28, I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. Well, we're going to find out in Matthew 25, I think it is, when that is. That's the kingdom. Okay? Matthew 25, 31. He's sitting in the kingdom. What's going to happen to them? Ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Peter asks a specific question because he understands what God's doing. He's establishing his kingdom government. Uh, the, the prime minister in Israel and their election trouble that they just had, and he, does, he can't form a government, so they've got to redo some things or whatever. And everybody's like, oh, he's a loot. Well, you've got to understand what it is to form a government. <laughs> he won the election, but he can't get anything done because the opposition, you know, whatever it is, however it works over there, okay? But the thing is, is what is, what is Christ doing here? He is forming his government. Here's the structure. Follow that, okay? Look over at Luke 19. Uh, He's forming the governmental hierarchy of his kingdom. And he's going to use the little flock to do it, and he starts by going north. Look at Luke 19. I was listening to that stuff about the prime minister, and I don't think the guy doing the reporting knew what he was talking about. <laughs> it was like, huh? Because he said, he said the same thing four different ways. And I'm like, dude, he's just, they got to redo some things. Because he, he, you know, because he didn't understand what, he's reading it is what he's doing, you know. Uh, the news journalists today are just readers, you know. <laughs> anyway, I'll get off that. Luke 19, watch verse, start in verse 11. And, and as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Look at the, these guys, they... Hey, we're in place. Let's get on with it. It's time to go. <laughs> so he throws a little parable at them. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him, sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. That's Acts 7 and Stephen, okay? And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded the servants to be called unto him, to whom he, might, he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Now, stop right there just real quick. What you have is you have the Lord going off to receive the kingdom. While he's gone, he tells that little flock to occupy. You've got an occupation to do. Occupy till I come back. Then they hated him and sent a message after him. They stoned Stephen saying, we ain't going to have anybody. Our king is Caesar. We already told you that. Buzz off. Now the Lord comes back. Second coming. That's verse 15. Six, verse 16. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. Now watch. And he said unto him, 
Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in every and in, in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. Nineteen, be thou also over five cities, and so on. He is establishing the authority, his governmental setup, and he's using that little flock to do it. If you come over to First Peter, First Peter chapter two. You see, folks, that's what's happening here. He goes up into Galilee and his Galilean ministry, and we're going to get into it and study it in the Sermon on the Mount and all the good stuff that's going on. But he's going up there to, to do 1 Peter chapter 2. Did I tell you that? 1 Peter 2. He's going up there to get some things done because out of darkness, what's going to come? Light. Light's going to spring up. He goes in there. And he said, and again, he's fulfilling Isaiah 9. By the way, Isaiah 9, we didn't go finish reading down through that passage, but that's verse 6 that's in there, that great Christmas verse, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. But you ought to finish reading that verse. The increase of his government is on his shoulders, and that government is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. 1 Peter 2, verse 9, Peter writes to him, says, But ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, and holy nation. That comes out of Exodus 19. Keep reading. That ye might show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people. The, those folks were cut off and not even considered to be a part of Israel when he goes up there. If you hold on to 1 Peter 2, flip back to John 7. Interesting verse in connection with this as we, I call on your memory of four years ago. <laughs> I... I, I was looking through something the other day, and I was like, my goodness, we spent that much time in Luke. It was like 150-something lessons. Like, oh, my goodness. But look at, look at John 7, verse 1. Hold on to 1 Peter 2. 1 John 7, ver, or, I'm sorry, John 7, verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. So that's where we're at. For he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. Isn't that interesting? Galilee wasn't even considered a part of Jewry. John 7 verse 1. They weren't considered a part. They weren't considered God's people at all. Now go back to 1 Peter 2 verse 10. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That, I want you to get the situation of this remnant. They were, it's a group of people that were sitting in darkness up in Galilee. He's go, he was going up there to some people who everybody thought were just nobodies. And he's gathering them together that governmental structure of his kingdom. 
Now, that's going to be key because Paul in Romans 10, verse 19 says, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people and by a foolish nation will I anger you. Deuteronomy, Moses says, a foolish nation is going to get you. What did they do to these guys? Come over to Acts 4. What happened when these guys started preaching? They did it to the Lord. Here's the easy verse to see, Acts chapter 4. They, they do this to the Lord. He's preaching, and what are they asking? Who taught you? Where did you come from? What school did you go to? You didn't go to our schools because we don't talk like that. We understand how to, how to parse up the, the parsiples out, and you don't. <laughs> Acts 4, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. If you write down John 7, verse 15 and 16, that's where they go after the Lord, Jesus Christ. John 7, verse 15 and 16. <clears throat> and then for the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 11 2 Corinthians 10, verse 10. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 5 to 6. You know what they do? They pull the same thing. Who taught you that? Where'd you learn that? What you talking about? You didn't come from our school. So Paul is 2 Corinthians 10, verse 10, 11, verse 5 to 6, and chapter 12, verse 11. And the Lord is John 7, verse 15 and 16. They're out there preaching... And the, and the establishment, the apostate nation says, these guys are a bunch of nobodies. And yet, really, what happened? He got them. He's using them. Okay? Did you need something repeated? <laughs> yes. Which one? Which one do you need? Um, okay, so Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 11 then chapter 11, verse 5 and 6, and then chapter 10, verse 10. Got them? Okay. I, I go back to Matthew 4. I, I really am leery to say, hey, write down, but you can go check them out, okay? Second, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 4. So that's what you have going on here. Chapter 4, verse 13, leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. Why? Verse 14, that it might be fulfilled, Matthew 4, 4, 14, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Okay, saying, and then he quotes Isaiah 9, verse 1 and 2. That's where we're at. Verse 7, I mean, think about what's going on. The Lord's down here. They've completely rejected him. He goes north, and they're excited to see him. 
But now watch when he goes north what he does. Verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting uh, the net and so forth. So he's going to pick up Simon and Andrew. By the way, Simon called Peter. He is not called Peter here. Matthew is writing, looking back at the events, because there's a bunch of other Simons that are going to pop up. So he says, Simon, by the way, we call him Peter. <laughs> this Simon is Peter, okay? So, because it's not till later that he gets Peter added to his name. He says, I'm going to call you Peter now, Simon Barjona. Here you are. So there's an, Matthew is looking back, okay? Then in, in verse 21, and going on from thence, he saw two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Now we've got James and John joining the crowd. So he's literally going to go now and begin to pick up the 12 apostles that he's going to, in chapter 10, he's going to give them their apostolic authority, but he's beginning to pick them up. Go back up there to verse 17. And let's see if we can't catch another division that we now see in verse 17. So verse 12, 12 to 19, chapter 4, 12 to 19, 1, we're up in Galilee. That's where we're going to be from here on out. Every now and then he'll take a journey down to Jerusalem because he's got to do something, but he's, this is where his ministry is. Okay? Shake your head, yes. Okay. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the, heaven, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He goes into Galilee, and from that time, he begins to preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The issue now is about the throne. He ha he ha was, he's identified as Israel's king. And he's out there preaching about the kingdom. He's preaching, if you come back, he, he's preaching the gospel of, the, the good news of the kingdom. That it's what? It's at hand. Remember when we looked at that. If you go back there to chapter 3. I, I want, we're going to spend the next, just the rest of the 10 minutes or so here. I just want you to catch the feel that's going to happen now. Okay? Because there's some things that are going to, well, you got to pay attention too because when we get down, we get in chapter five and following, you need to have some of this in, in the back of your head. <laughs> okay, chapter three. Look, look at verse seventeen. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, "This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased." Prior to him going to preach the gospel of the kingdom in Galilee with the emphasis on his throne, he was announced by God the Father to be his beloved son. He's the Messiah. Now come over to Matthew 16. Matthew 4, 17, he begins to preach about the kingdom of heaven at hand. Go to Matthew 16. Let's see if I can make this as clear as mud. Matthew 16 
This is where this section ends. But it ends with the same announcement that it began in. 16.16 And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Isn't that interesting? It starts in a the big section is Matthew 4:12 to 19:1, the Galilean ministry. That's where it starts. The funk the focus is the throne. How did you remember how Matthew 1:1 started? This is Jesus Christ, the, genera, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of who? The son of David. He's, the issue not, right here in Matthew is that he's the son of David. And it's all about the throne and the throne. And the way that the, the son of David inherits the throne. By the way, the son of Abraham it's going to be type, and type is going to be that issue with Isaac and where he dies. But what does he get? Resurrection. And that's what that's going to be. Now you're in Matthew 16. Watch verse 21. 16, 21. From that time forth, what's that next word? Began. Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. And you know what happens there? Guess where he goes? He begins to, he, from that time forth began Jesus. Now the issue is the tree. And being the son of Abraham. He's no longer going to the throne, but to the tree. J.C. O'Hare said that, by the way, just to give O'Hare a credit. All right? He starts out, at this time we're going to talk about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom, the throne, the throne, the throne. Then he begins to talk to them about going to the tree. The change takes place in verse 21 of Matthew 16. From that point onward, really, he abandons his public ministry. He told the 12 not to tell anybody about who he was. He withdraws himself. We'll see it when we go through it. He withdraws himself. He begins to just train the apostles and the, the little flock. He's getting them ready. If you come over to chapter 17, if you look at verse number 5, guess who shows up? While he spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye. The same thing we're at the beginning back there in Matthew 3. Not only did you find it there, but now you find it here as he's shifting gears. And then guess what you find in Matthew 27? Come on, you can guess. Matthew 27, verse 54. Matthew 27, verse 54. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they 
feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. So when you come back to Matthew 4, the point here is, is that you've got a lot of similarities running through as things begin to shift. I hope you see that. Okay? If you don't, we'll see it more as we go. In Matthew 4.17, we come to the first proclamation of repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist was the first one to say it. Now John's in jail. He told Herod that what he was messing around with his stepdaughter was not a good thing. <laughs> so she wanted his head on a plate, and he got it on, she got it on a plate. Now he's preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you're back in Matthew 4, if you look at over at verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now that's usually where everybody gets messed up. Because he's been preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and then that verse says it's the what? The gospel of the kingdom. See? So that everybody picks up on that word gospel and runs with it. And they look and they say, see, that's 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. He was doing that. It's Paul's gospel, so it's one gospel, not two. And they just run from it. But what did Matthew 17 tell us? Um, uh, Matthew, um, oh, we were just... We were just standing there. Matthew 16, verse 21. And from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples about the cross. The verse says, from that time forth began Jesus. Matthew 16, 21. That means before that, he wasn't talking about going to Calvary. He wasn't talking about the cross. He doesn't start talking about the cross until 1621. So from 417 to 1621, the issue is not about him dying on the tree on Calvary. The issue is about him establishing the governmental structure of his kingdom. It's about the throne, not the tree. We'll get to the tree. First, we've got to get the throne done. That's why the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is going to be a picture and a prescription and a, and a look into what it is to be the citizen of the kingdom of God on the earth. How they're going to behave and how they're going to act and that spontaneous living for other people has nothing to do with you and I today. By the way, you're, are you back, you're Matthew, right? Um, by the way, it's a death. Chapter 9, verse number 35. Chapter 9, verse 35. <laughs> if you kept reading, by the way, in chapter 16, 22 and following, you know what Peter says? Ain't going to happen to you. I'm not going to let that happen. Nobody's killing you. Nobody's taking you down. He doesn't understand it. You go over into Luke 9, you go to Luke 18. 
They have no clue about what he's talking about when he talks about going and dying and being raised the third day. In their study in John, after the fact, the ladies run up and they come and they get, they still don't understand it because they haven't had their eyes opened yet of understanding. So there's no way that he's preaching Paul's gospel. What did I tell you? Matthew 9.35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That's Matthew 4.23 verbatim. That's the message. That's what they're going to do. If you, the next chapter over, chapter 10. You know what happens in chapter 10? The 12 disciples, verse 1, become the 12 apostles in verse 2. But notice the power he gave them. Verse 1, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. When we go through these, we'll see that those are the two signs, Matthew 10, verse 1, those are the two great signs of the kingdom. Then they're going to go out. He names them. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. Drop down to verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But, go, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go preaching, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What are they out there preaching? The gospel of the kingdom. They were sent out with the authority and a commission to preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You go over to Luke 9, the parallel passage. You don't have to go there. And you know what happens in Luke 9, verse 2? He sends them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And you go down through that stuff. Well, just look over there real quick. Luke 9. Time's up. Luke 9. That's what we were talking about just a minute ago. Luke chapter 9. You start there in verse 1. Verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure the diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Verse 6, And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. What gospel were they preaching? <laughs> the pre gospel of the kingdom. Drop down to verse 43. They were all amazed at the mighty power of God, but while they wondered everyone at all things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, let these sayings sink down into your ears. The Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. What you talking about? They're going, they ain't going to touch you. But they understood not this saying. And it was hid from them that they perceived it not. And they feared to ask him of that saying. They don't get it. They don't understand it. So don't let somebody come along and tell you. And by the way, Luke 9, that by verse 44 there, you ought to have written down 18, verse 31 to 34. That's the next passage. 18, Luke 18, verse 31 to 34. And he looks at them and he begins to tell them about going and being mocked and spitfully entreated. 
Verse 34, And they understood none of these things, and this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. And you know what? There wasn't a backbone in them to ask him what he meant by it. They didn't get it. The point in all this is what I'm, we're going to have to finish because the hour's up almost, is that he is going north into the land of darkness. Come back over there to Matthew 4. And he is gathering together the governmental structure of that little flock of the government. And he is now going to send them out, verse 17, preaching for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay? Mark 1, verse 14 over there, he says, John's in prison. Jesus comes into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So they're going to go out now and they're going to start preaching. And when they do that, they're going to use some terminology. Okay? The expression kingdom of heaven only occurs in the book of Matthew. And it occurs 33 times. It's Matthew's term to, that he uses to describe the literal, physical, visible, earthly reign of Christ in his kingdom. Matthew also uses the term kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is used specifically during the ministry of Christ. Now, that's what you've got to remember where this phrase pops up. People have a hernia trying to bend over and lift this stuff, and all you've got to do is leave it in its context. The kingdom of God is used specific during the ministry of Christ. The kingdom of God is used in a reference to the same thing as kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is used, in, like in Matthew, it's a reference to the time when the God, of, the God of heaven sets up his kingdom here on the earth. He does what Daniel 2.44 says he's going to do. Okay, do you follow that? Matt, just in Matt, we're in Matthew, just in Matthew, okay? The kingdom of heaven sits strictly in Matthew, okay? Mark and Luke and John use kingdom of God. The king, generally speaking, the kingdom of God refers to God's moral, righteous, spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God is present in the earthly reign of Christ. The other gospel writers, Luke, Mark, and John, use kingdom of God because the two terms are synonymous in the earthly ministry of Christ, talk, referencing the millennial kingdom. By the way, in the millennial kingdom, both exist, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. That's why when we get over into the Sermon on the Mount here, he's going to tell them, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all the earthly blessings will be added to them and all that good stuff, okay? So then what about Romans 14, verse 17, where Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. What about in Colossians 1, where he says, We're translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Well, what, does Paul ref what is Paul referencing when he's talking to you and I? A physical, literal, visible, earthly, physical thing, or a spiritual realm? 
He's talking about a spiritual realm. You follow that? It's not, this stuff isn't hard. Theologians make it difficulty. Okay? If you leave, the kingdom of God is not always used, by the way, to reference a spiritual kingdom. In Luke 14, the Lord tells him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Where is that kingdom going to be? Well, it's going to be here on the earth. It's going to be a literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic kingdom where they're going to be able to sit and have a fellowship meal. So you've got to be kind of careful with that stuff, okay? No, not, not during that. We're in heavenly places, <laughs> okay? I just bring that up because we're going to start seeing these terms flying at us, okay? There are two points here that's going to come up when he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look over at Mark. Let's just do it there in Mark, and then we'll call it quits for the evening. Look at Mark 14 and 15. When they, when they, when the Gospels talk about the kingdom of heaven, Matthew talks about the kingdom of heaven. It, he, what? That's the kingdom that that comes down from heaven. It's not the kingdom in heaven that comes down, but it's the kingdom that heaven sends down. Okay. In Deuteronomy 11, Moses says, the days of heaven on earth, that's what he's talking about, okay? By the way, what would you call a kingdom that, that, that the God of heaven set up on the earth? What would you call it? The kingdom of God, couldn't you? Because the God of heaven set it up? But couldn't you also call it the kingdom of heaven? Because the God of heaven set it up, and heaven is ruling. Hello, McFly. <laughs> okay, I, and I, I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but I am. Because people use this stuff to start running diversions on you, and you need to kind of be aware of it. Notice real quick here, Mark 1, verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Mark 1, verse 14, verse 15, And saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. There are two points to that gospel message, verse 15. Christ has been teaching that you need to notice. First, the time is fulfilled. Daniel 9's timeline has been is being fulfilled, has been fulfilled. See that? And saying, the time is fulfilled. And, the second point, the and, and, okay, the time for the kingdom to be set up has what? Has arrived. Follow, you see that? Mark 1.15. They are right on the Jewish time schedule that Daniel 9 laid out for them. The time for the fulfillment and all the activity is right on schedule. The king is here. Everybody's right. We're ready to go. 
they need to repent and believe the gospel. They need to get right. They need to get in the program. Okay? So come back to Matthew 4. Do you follow all that? I hope you do. If not, don't, don't worry about it. We'll get, it'll come more as we go through, okay? I, I just know that really the issue here with the gospel of the kingdom is that the message that was going to be preached now, that's the, that's the message that Jesus Christ is preaching, 417. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's not saying, I'm dying on Calvary's tree for the, the sins of the world. Okay? First, we've got to get the throne nailed, and then we'll go get the tree done. Okay? Catch the timing. We've got an intro. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And now we're going to do this. That comes to a conclusion. And guess what happens? Hey, there, you're the son of Christ. You are the son of God. You're Christ. Now we're going to do this. Now that comes to a conclusion. And guess what? Hey, you're the son of God. Okay? So you've got markers all through Matthew here where things are going to begin to shift. Okay? Now we'll pick up in verse 18. I'll have to mark it here. And watch Jesus walk through. And, uh, and get, the, get the boys down and so forth. Okay? And, and gas, he... He begins to gather up, and, and I'm, hopefully I'll have a, a map we can get up so you can see that, okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for the study, for the look here into this great book of Matthew and the, to your earthly ministry as it, as it is beginning to go. We'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In your name we pray. Amen.